Time now for the Redbird Report podcast with the TV voice of the cards, Danny Mack, and Cards World Series champion Brad Thompson on 101 ESPN. It's a Monday, and the Cardinals have returned from a road trip in which they dropped three of four in New York and then sweep the Pirates. I'm Dan McLaughlin, and Brad Thompson of 101 ESPN is with me. It's our podcast, The Redbird Report. It's the Toronto Blue Jays coming to town. Big homestand beginning tonight. Toronto tonight, uh, two-game series, then an off day. Then you have four with Milwaukee, and then San Diego will be in St. Louis. Hello, BT and friend. How are you, buddy? Hey, I am doing great, Dan. You did a fantastic job. You and Jimmy on the road trip. And thank goodness for the Pirates, huh? Oh, How boy. About that? Take advantage. We've talked about this a bunch, man. What the what the Cardinals and what the Brewers are able to do against the Reds and uh, the Pirates. And then, obviously, they're head-to-heads. I mean, that's going to be the difference in this division. So, uh, at least they were able to take care of things against the Pirates. It is amazing. I- I'm curious, Brad, from a, from a player's perspective, because I know what it's like as a broadcaster, and, and you're doing this now as a broadcaster, where every single day has, like, twists and turns in the season. And I know it's so cliche where you say, like, a season is a long book, and really you can break it down to every day is a new chapter or every week, every road trip, every series, however you want to do it. But it is amazing how things can change in a hurry with Major League Baseball. So you look at the last time that we did a podcast – we were really focusing on Paul DeYoung. You know, Paul DeYoung had been sent down, and what are you going to do, and how is this going to work? Well, since that time, you've had the call-up of Rondon, who saved the Cardinals yesterday. You had a major league debut of Matthew Liberatore. We've heard so much about him with the Randy Rosarina deal. Uh, He makes his debut on Saturday. Then you have Nolan Gorman. Everybody's been saying, let's get Gorman up here. Well, he came up, and he has performed. All he's done is hit. But I'm curious and we'll get into all these things in just a moment. Do players feel that at all, or is it more of like a media narrative that we look at day in and day out? You know what? I think it can honestly be a little bit of both. It just depends how the season is going. If you're on that roller coaster ride on a team, and I've been a part of teams like this where, you're, you know, wins and losses, it's hard to string anything together. You have a bunch of injuries. It does seem like every day is kind of a new challenge. But you do also have to be able to compartmentalize it and realize that you got to attack each day at a time on, on an individual basis. But right now, with all the moving parts in and out, and it's not just like uh, little roster pieces where, okay, 26 man on the roster, let's bring this guy in. You bring it up Nolan Gorman, the expectation is he's your second baseman of the future. Like this is a guy that is, is going to be hitting in the middle of your lineup. Fingers crossed if everything goes well. Matthew Libertor, you bring him up on Saturday for what was a going to be a bullpen day, so a spot start you know going into it. But Matthew Libertor, the 22-year-old lefty, the number 39 prospect in all of baseball, that is part of your future right there. So you're getting a chance to see a lot of uh, a lot of what the future is going to look like here. So, yeah, there, there's a lot going on yet you still just realize that it's May and there's a lot of baseball left to play. I'll tell you what, Nolan Gorman um, looks great at the plate. That's number one. It looks like he's going to crush right-handed pitching, and then you have the versatility of Tommy Edmond to play short, to play second. Over the weekend, he was in center field because the team got banged up with some injuries. Uh, But let's go back to Gorman here just for a second. I I thought it was imperative. In the first game on Friday, Brad, he gets a ground ball to him, He was part of a double play, but maybe the best thing that he did that I saw over the weekend was yesterday. So it's a blowout game. Cardinals roll 18 to four. 
There was a ball hit up the middle, runner at first, and he makes a play that he, he gathers it in and does one of those little shovel passes where most guys would have been content field the ball, don't even take the chance of not getting the lead runner at second, and just get the out at first. And when I saw it, it just opened up my eyes. It, it looked smooth. He looked fine at second base. Is he going to be Tommy Edmond? No. But he's going to hit a lot of home runs? Probably. Is he going to hit for power? Yes. So I, I like the move, especially for a team that is desperate uh, for some type of offense. And it'll be interesting as this season goes on, and I've been doing a lot of thinking about this. Who's going to hit between Goldie and Arenado? And maybe it's Nolan Gorman. Maybe you put him and you, you stagger the lefties and the righties and you have a little fun with that. And you got Tommy at the top as a switch hitter um, because O'Neill obviously is on the, the IL with his, the, the right shoulder issue. But it's going to be really interesting to where he hits in the lineup. And I think we make a lot of it too much of it, of where a guy goes in a lineup. But this one, this one spot, though, this is pretty important. I think that you can make a case that it could be the most important spot in the Cardinals lineup, hitting between those two guys. And I, I wonder if Ollie's going to give that some thought, and especially with right-handed pitching on the mound, if he's a guy that will get those starts maybe between those two guys and see what he can do. I like the idea. Look, why not tinker, right? Why not try, try to figure out exactly where he best fits? This is something that you and I have talked about in the past. Our, our, uh, our late friend, Chris Duncan, used to talk about when he got called up, getting the hit in front of Albert Pujols. Dan, that helped a little bit, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like You, you plug that guy in. Nobody wanted to face Albert Pujols. Nobody wanted anybody on base. So you were going to get fed a little bit different diet, uh, especially you know in, in counts or in situations where you knew Albert could end up biting you. I think that for Nolan Gorman, that could be a good spot. Now, from what we saw in uh, in this first series, look, he looks just fine at the big league level. I will say this, this series against Toronto and certainly Milwaukee and San Diego, pitching is going to be a little bit different. I mean, Jose Barrios is on the mound tonight. Kevin Gosman is going to be going tomorrow for the Blue Jays. you got a couple of like guys, legit guys that you're going to face. It's going to be a different challenge for him, but he, uh, they didn't call him up just to, well, hey, let's see what we got. Like you called him up because you believe that he was going to be able to stay. So figuring out different places for him in the lineup. I love the left-handed compliment, especially with the power that he has. Uh, I like the idea of him potentially between Goldie and Arenado. And I like the approach we've seen so far. The guy is going to strike out. It's going to happen. It's going to be part of uh, part of his game. But if he hits the home run, if he slugs, then you're fine with it, right? Absolutely, 100%. Um, Carlos, uh, or not Carlos, but Rondon yesterday, I, I thought that his appearance saved the Cardinals going into this series. And you got Michaelis going against Barrios, as you mentioned, and then Gosman tomorrow. But what Rondon did yesterday for the Cardinals, and, and he's had a couple appearances at the big league level, did so last year, and I thought he looked good. He's their minor league pitcher of the year a couple of years ago. Um, I loved what he did, and they needed length, and we were told it was going to be roughly about 75 pitches. I think he went 85 or 86, and uh, and all of a sudden you look up, and after four uh, pitches from Mats, you, you had to go to Rondon. Young man comes in, gives you five innings. I think he walked three, gave up a hit, something like that, whatever it was. It doesn't matter. He pitched great and saved the Cardinals. T.J. McFarland gave you three. That saved the Cardinals. So, Bullpen-wise, going into this series and pitching-wise, you were saved by that young man yesterday, and, and he deserves a ton of credit. I was talking to Ali on the, the flight home from Pittsburgh yesterday, Brad, and 
I said, man, he, he won the game for you. And he just kind of went, uh-huh. And then I said, he also saved your bacon with the bullpen. He goes, uh-huh. I said, that was really good. He goes, uh-huh, kind of like that. <laughs> and so he, he was thrilled with what he got. And, uh, and he looked pretty good along the way, didn't he? He looked really good, man. He gave you five innings, only gave up one hit. He did have the three walks, as you mentioned, 88 pitches. I mean, everything about that. And, again, remember, in a start where it's not like he had time to prepare for this, like you knew you were coming into a game. And maybe for Angel Rondon, that ends up being a better thing. You get thrust into action uh, as uh, Steven Matz, and maybe we'll get into Matz a little bit more in his situation, and uh, hopefully there's some clarity on that one soon. But, uh, you know, Matz throws, what was it, four pitches, and then Rondon finds himself in the game. Sometimes just getting thrust into action brings out the best. There's none of the, the worry beforehand, trying to sleep at night before, oh, how am I going to attack the Pirates? No, he's sitting there watching the game. It's like, oh, God, I'm in. Okay, well, let's go. Let's yeah. go do what I've been doing my whole life and go throw strikes, and that's what he did. So uh, you're, you're right. You need guys to be able to step up in situations like that, and Rondone did it. Now, I'm not exactly sure what that is going to buy Rondone. And just as a reminder, we're doing this podcast before game one, uh, morning of the game one against the Toronto Blue Jays. Look, that might buy him a ticket back to Memphis. And it's not because of what he did. It's because you need to get, you know, arms in your bullpen and be ready. But who knows? Maybe that buys him a start in Matt's spot uh, next time out. They add a different arm. There's a lot of different ways to go. All I know is this. Every single time you get a chance to pitch in the big leagues, you have a chance to make an impression. And it's either a good one or it's a bad one. That was a fantastic impression that Rondon made. Yeah, I would assume it's going to be a busy day at the ballpark. Um, and I say that, and I could be wrong, but I, I say that because of Matt's. You don't know he's going to have the further examination today, and it was a sore left shoulder that they talked about. And he said afterwards he just couldn't get loose and then tried to and fight through it, just didn't work out. So he'll be further examined today. And then Dylan Carlson also dealing with a, a hamstring issue, so not sure what direction they go with that. But it does bring me to this. We have, like, the 2022 version of the Memphis Mafia. Have you noticed that? I mean, you, yes. you've, got, you've, got, uh, you've got, obviously, th these young kids that are coming up and making a difference with the team and taking good at-bats and giving you quality outings. So uh, it's fun to see these young kids come up and have that hunger and that's what you want. I mean, you want these guys to come up and, and go for it. And if you go for it, you perform, you stay. It's a results-driven business. That's how it always has been. You either do or you don't. And a lot of these guys are doing it. And that's been fun to see for me. It's been a lot of fun, man. It's been necessary. The Cardinals right now are five games above 500. And a lot of that is because what some of these guys have done. Juan Yepes has fit right in. And as soon as day one, he was hitting, he's been in the lineup. Brandon Donovan, same idea. He's bounced around, showed that positional versatility. And I wonder what there is to learn. Uh, first of all, it's about your organizational depth. And you've done a good job of developing these guys and getting them ready. But maybe there's even something more about the preparation they're doing at the AAA level. Because these guys coming right to the big leagues and swinging it right off the bat. They don't look tentative. They don't look hesitant. They don't look like they're overthinking. And boy, you're seeing some results out of these guys. So I don't know if there's anything there or not. I am really interested that now, though, right, as we, we try to manage ahead, not knowing exactly what's going on with Dylan Carlson and the left hamstring. Damn, what do you do? Let, let's just hypothetical, okay? Total hypothetical uh, that Carlson goes to the IL. You already have O'Neal on the IL. Harrison Bader is in center field. Who are your corners? Are you going Yepes and Donovan? Are you putting Tommy Edmond out and right? Are you bringing up Lars Newbar, who hit three home runs yesterday, and continue that Memphis Mafia out there? 
Like, what do you think that outfield is going to look like if DC's not there? Yeah, I've thought about all that. And I think one of the home runs that uh, Lars hit yesterday was a grand slam. And correct yep. me if I'm wrong, uh, he had not been hitting. I mean, this is, you know, maybe he, he figured something out and all of a sudden uh, it clicked. And if you're the Cardinals, you say, hey, he figured something out. Let's... Let's catch lightning in a bottle with it and bring him up here and let him, let him you know, let him have a little run. Um, I, I think a lot of it hinges, and I don't know if you agree with this, but first of all, a lot of it is dependent on lefty-righty. Okay, so that's one thing I would look at and on who's on the mound. But it's part, it, it all dovetails into Tommy Edmond being versatile. And so Tommy gives you the flexibility. You know, you have an all-star second baseman potentially playing center field in the series against the Pirates. So he's able to, to let you make some of the moves that maybe other players would not allow you to make. And Donovan does that too. I, I don't think you'd feel scared at all by putting Brendan Donovan in a corner spot. I think he'll handle it fine. Tommy, we know, can play the outfield. If you have a lefty, do you want Gorman to start or would you rather see him come off the bench and give Sosa a run at short? Uh, those are things that they can do because of the versatility of Tommy Edmond. And that cannot be overlooked, how valuable that is when you have this kind of situation with these guys hurt, because Tommy can play all over the place defensively, and then it allows other guys to slide in where you want and you feel most comfortable. But I think to your point, it's going to be interesting. You know, do you, do you want to have Newpar make that run uh, and bring him up and say, hey, you didn't really get a fair shake when you made the club because we were deciding to do this, that, and the other. Or is this the direction you want to go? Or is it Corey Dickerson? You know, Corey Dickerson really hasn't gotten a fair shot to play every day. You know, it's been hit or miss with him. So that's another option, too, as you look forward to uh, what they may do tonight. Yeah, uh, going back really quick to Tommy Edmond, uh, Dan, what do you think he is ultimately? Because if Nolan Gorman is the second baseman of the future for the St. Louis Cardinals, Shortstop, man, Paul DeYoung is struggling still at Memphis. As of uh, right now, he's seven for 37. He's hitting a buck 89, uh, two extra base hits, both doubles. Like, he is not lighting the world on fire. So we know what that situation looks like. Tommy can handle himself very well at shortstop, as you mentioned. But is Tommy Edmond the shortstop of the future, or is he the Chris Taylor of the future, the super utility guy that has a lot of value? Ben Zobris, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe that's the, the role. I don't necessarily like that, and I, I, the reason I say that is that he's so good defensively at second base, um, I, I don't like seeing him play out of that position. However, we haven't really seen him have a run at short. You know, it, it, Maybe we're not giving him enough credit of what he could do at shortstop and be a, a, very, uh, a plus defender, a very good player at short, which I think he'll be that, but are we overlooking that? I think maybe if Gorman emerges and is an everyday player at second base, which is the position he's going to have to play, I think maybe you look at, okay, it's a righty on the mound, our best defensive um, alignment with Miles Michaelis uh, on the mound, let's just say for argument's sake, or a Dakota Hudson is to have Tommy at second base because we're going to get a lot of ground balls, we're going to get a lot of action, so let's put him at second base. If there's more of a swing and miss guy on the mound, maybe you put him at short. I, I don't know. Do you, you agree with this where I'm going? I, yeah. I, think, I think you can well, be versatile with him. I just don't like the idea of moving him out of that defensive spot of second. But if that's if that means I got the way I have to get Nolan Gorman in the lineup is to make sure that, you know, Tommy's versatile, then that's what I'm going to have to do. 
Yeah, I was really encouraged with what we saw over the weekend. As you laid out perfectly, Nolan Gorman at second base, second batter of the game. He gets tested, double play ball, nice feed to Tommy Edmond. I mean, everything looked clean there. Uh, in a perfect world, I'd have Tommy playing second every day. The world's not perfect, okay? And you needed a spot for the young Nolan Gorman. So I'm encouraged uh, with, with what I saw. And I really do believe that Tommy can play the shortstop position and play it really well. Uh, the thing, the idea of like ha having Tommy, you know, high ground ball guy, maybe you put him at second base. I like that idea. But the problem is you don't have a high strikeout guy at all in your rotation. Yeah, you have that's a true. lot of ground ball guys, right? Maybe your high strikeout guy comes back in Jack Flaherty, you know, who can do that for you, but we don't really know exactly when that's going to happen either. So uh, I would like to have a little consistency up the middle. I mean, I, I personally, I would like to have, if, if Gorman's going to be the guy at second, then great. I'd like to see Tommy Edmond at short, but nothing's perfect again. We don't know about Carlson. We do know that, that we can bounce uh, Tommy Edmond around in the outfield. Tommy Edmond's going to be a better corner outfielder than Yepes and a better corner outfielder than Dickerson, most likely as well. So uh, Ollie is going to have to get creative. And the thing that Tommy's really got going for him and the club has going for him with Tommy is that you're not seeing an offensive decline from him having to bounce around. Tommy's a pro, man. He's yeah. going to go out there. He's going to do whatever is asked of him when he was asked to play center field. Ollie uh, joked about it, right? He's, Tommy said, give me a glove. Yeah, I'll do it. Like, I'll do whatever you guys need. The guy is a gamer. I, I, give me a team full of Tommy Edmonds, and I can go beat half the league. By the way, we are about uh, almost 20 minutes into this podcast, and I think we take him for granted, and we shouldn't. It's Paul Goldschmidt. He is <laughs> locked in, man. He's the, right now, he'd be one of the leaders in the clubhouse for MVP of the National League. So his on-base streak is 20-plus. He's got the longest hitting streak right now in, in the majors. He's hitting close to 350. Um, and after a slow start, and it was, it was a slow start by Paul, and the numbers bear that out. We all said, ah, don't worry about it. He'll be fine. And I didn't know he was going to be this fine. He's ridiculous right now. You can't get this guy out. And what I love is that teams are shifting on him, I, I think even more so this year. I don't know why I feel that way. It's just maybe if I could be wrong. Numbers maybe don't bear that out. I'd have to take a look and do a deep dive on it. But, man, he just, he just takes what you give him. And so if you're going to pitch him away, he'll hit a rocket and barrel it up away. You're going to go in, he's quick enough to get in on that ball. You, he's, he's not going to chase very often. I mean, it's few and far between you see him chase and you go, man, that was a bad at bat. You know, he, he went after a ball that was a half foot outside. He had no chance to – when do we ever say that? And, oh, yeah. by the way, the guy, you know, is going to win a gold glove. He is just – he's a great player. I, I just – he's quiet. I was talking to him a bunch on the road trip. Um, you get him talking about golf, you can't keep him quiet. But when you talk baseball with him, you know, he's just very methodical in his approach, business-like. I, I just – I think we need to start paying more attention to how good this guy is. And don't take it for granted because there isn't a, another player like him in the league. He's that good. Yeah, the the thing about him is – and uh, I think you just put it, put it perfectly. Like, there's no show about him. He doesn't hit a, a big home run, bat flip, pop the chain. Like, he just doesn't have that in his game. He's very uh, business-like. He reminds me a lot of uh, the way he goes about his business. He reminds me a lot of Scott Rowland in, in that sense, where it's just business all day, every day. All he does is baseball. That's what he loves. That's what he cares about. Uh, and it's it's his job, and he's going to do it well. And the funny thing is, is 
the slow month that he had uh, in April, he still hit 282. It wasn't like he was hitting exactly. 100, uh, but that was a slow month. He comes back in May so far, and all he's doing is hitting 405 with a 1235 OPS in the month. He is killing left-handed pitching, and that's been a trend for the St. Louis Cardinals, but he's hitting 519 with a 1544 OPS against lefties. And you're right, he's hitting everything all over the ballpark. And I mean, I, I try to think about guys, you know, from my pitcher standpoint, you know, my, my background and it's how would I attack Goldie? What would I do? How would I get that guy out right now? I don't have too many answers no. for him because you remember, you remember last year and even early this year, you could get in on him. Yep. You could go in and especially in off the plate. He'd offer at a lot of these. He's laying off of these pitches and the ones that you are throwing in there for strikes. He's catching it out in front and barreling it and getting it down that left field line. He's as locked in as we've seen him as a member of the Cardinals. By the way, um, have you looked at his career numbers against lefties now? They're they're starting no. to get historic, like ridiculous OPS. Um, like we're, we're talking all time great, I, and that's the thing. If you're the opposition and you have a lefty in your rotation, um, you better watch out because <laughs> you got Goldie, you got Arenado, you got Pujols. If O'Neill's right, he crushes lefties. Um, you got to set it up, man, to where you don't, you try to maybe take that off day or figure out a way to not have a lefty face them. And that's what makes it interesting as we kind of wrap this thing up. If you're the opposition and you know that Pujols is on that bench and you've got lefties in your bullpen, you don't want to go to them. I, I've noticed that more and more and more as we go out uh, throughout this season. The times that you see a lefty come in, Brad, if it's not a, a lockdown late innings guy or a closer or power guy, managers are staying away from lefties in the back end of their pen against the Cardinals. It's it's just right-handed pitching after right-handed pitching. And I'm going to try to do a deep dive on that later today. Is Are the Cardinals seeing more righties than anybody else in baseball? I Again, I could be completely wrong. This is just the eye test and memory and watching how the opposition is managing. But for the most part, unless it's a blowout, they're staying away from lefties. They really are. Well, maybe that three batter minimum thing that you and I both uh, can't stand. Maybe it is actually working to the benefit of the Cardinals having a, a, a team overall that crushes lefties, but two individuals. And, and as we we're talking there, I just kind of looked at, at the stats that you mentioned with Goldie in his career against lefties. Here's his slash line yeah. against lefties in his career. I brought this up the other day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 325. 430 on base percentage, a 603 slug, all good for a 1033 OPS against lefties in his career. Right. That is ridiculous. So I on Friday, uh, they had Quintana, who's actually been pretty good for the Pirates. And I'm thinking, and and we saw him with the Cubs and White Sox, but uh, in particular with the Cubs, and I, I just remember him having really good stuff. So I decided, I was like, I wonder what some of these guys have done in their career um, against left-handed pitching. And then I went and saw Goldie's, and you just read the numbers, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I didn't know it was this Is that real? Game. Yeah, this is like video game stuff. So then I started looking at, like, okay, well, where's this a comparison to, like, you know, all time? Oh, okay, well, he's, like, you know, top five, top ten in a lot of all-time categories, and it's not a small sample size. We're talking about a guy that's got – 10-plus years in the big leagues, and just crush. I mean, that's 10-plus years against left-handed pitching. That's ridiculous. He should never face a lefty. If you're a manager and you you have a lefty in your pen, I don't care if it's a Roldis Chapman. I'm not bringing him in to face Goldie. No way. He's got to face right-handed pitching. He's that good. 
He is. He is. The, the problem is um, he's good against those guys. too. Yeah, you know, sometimes you good. just run into really good special players. Uh, and Paul Goldschmidt is one of those. So as we look forward here, Dan, as you try to wrap up this podcast, but looking at a, a big homestand, as you mentioned. Okay, you got two against the Toronto Blue Jays, who have not hit their stride yet. No, They're they have three games over 500. Vlad Guerrero Jr. is not putting up numbers like he did last year. I believe it's to be a matter of time before Vladdy oh, yeah. gets going. And you're facing two good ones in Barrios and Gosman the next two days. You got the Brewers coming in town for four after the off day Wednesday. And then you have the Padres coming in town. I mean, this feels like an enormous homestand, and I know it's early in the season, but this is like a true test each one of these games. I think it's going to be a fun homestand. Yeah, I I think, and I, I went back to the San Francisco series at home when the Cardinals took two of three. That, to me, was the start of a really uh, tough stretch of baseball to find out, okay, let's see how good we are because of – the fact that you were in New York for four games, and they should have had a split at least in that series. They did not. And then you went to Pittsburgh. You took care of business. But then because of the games that you have coming up, um, very, very important to to play above 500 at home. So, you know, if you can do that and you can keep your head above water, play 500 baseball on the road, you're going to find yourself in a position to be in postseason play. It should not be overlooked, Brad, is that the Cardinals – and who knows what the Pirates will look like at this point by the end of the season after the trade deadline. And they do have some chips. You know, Brian Reynolds is a, a player that I, I think teams would want. He's a very good player. Um, is he still with their club? And maybe a Quintana, is he still with their club? Because they're still selling off players to, is, is part of their rebuild. But you have a, either six or seven games of the final games of 162 at the very end of the season because of the, the lockout. So you had to make up... I guess it's three there, and then you finish with three against the Pirates at home. I don't think you can overlook that. You know, depending on where you're at in the standings, those games could really be meaningful, and this is not a very good Pirates team. They're in a rebuild, as I mentioned, and uh, the Cardinals took care of business. And that, I think that is one point we should make, is that the Brewers, we know they can pitch, and they are very good, and I'm not going to take anything away from them, but they have handled their business against the lesser teams. Their strength of schedule has been the worst in baseball, and uh, and they've taken care of business. I think they're ten and two against the Reds and the Brewers. So Cardinals still have some of those games coming up. They've already done with New York. They're done with San Francisco. Those should be very good teams before this is all said and done. So get back home, take care of business starting tonight. And I think this game tonight of the two game series is extremely important. You have Michaelis, who's been arguably your best pitcher from the starting side. And then you're facing Gosman tomorrow, who's throwing wiffle balls up there. He's ridiculous. So tonight's a very, very important game. It is. It is. It's going to be a great homestand. So hopefully we see everybody coming out of the ballpark, watching the games uh, on Valley. Uh, and uh, it's going to be it's what it's all about, man. Find out who you are. We're going to find out what this team, how healthy they are coming into the ballpark today. We'll find out more about Dylan Carlson. We'll find out more about Steven Matz, and we'll keep everybody posted as to what that plan looks like as we do another couple of these this week. I got a final question for you, by the way. Uh, yes. Did you have any uh, pitching advice for Yachty and Albert? We haven't even talked about that. Albert, by the way, is 17 away from 700. It's awesome. Yeah, I would just say do it less. I think yeah. just do it less. Um, it's fun to watch. Yet uh, the ERAs are getting inflated. And when we're talking about Cooperstown career, somebody's always going to try to find something to break you down. And uh, look, I think this is going to be the place. You know, if you don't think that Yachty's a Hall of Famer, you're going to look, say, well, look at the ERA. 
it's pretty inflated right there. So no walks though. Uh, uh, well, that's true. Yeah, he threw strikes. Well, it's a juggernaut of an offense that he was facing too. <laughs> so uh, maybe that ends up getting factored in. I mean, th- those things. So that that's when it's it's fun. You know, we we get caught up in baseball so much. We get caught up in the did they win? Did they lose? Is this prospect good? Is this guy good? Sometimes you can just enjoy the game and have fun with it, and that's the case with Albert on the mound, and that was the case with Gotti on the mound uh, yesterday. By the way, you would have loved this. As we were flying to New York after Albert made his uh, appearance uh, a week ago yesterday, KT, who is a bullpen catcher for the St. Louis Cardinals, got on the uh, the intercom of the flight and said, hey, guys, just want to let you know Albert will be down tomorrow. Uh, he's unavailable. He'll be receiving treatment. So make sure you're ready to go in the bullpen. It was in the places that like, everybody loved it. You know, everybody loved it. So they're having fun with it. Hey buddy, this is always fun and uh, looking forward to being with you on this homestand. You'll be with me for all the games, right? On Valley sports yep. West. Yeah, I got all nine with you. So let's, uh, let's have a winning homestand, Dan. I love it. That's Brad Thompson. I'm Dan McLaughlin. This is the Redbury report on one Oh one ESPN. You've been listening to the Redbird Report podcast with the TV voice of the cards, Danny Mack, and cards World Series champion Brad Thompson on 101 ESPN. Get early access to Macy's Black Friday specials on gifts they'll love at prices you will too. Now, while supplies last, like 40 to 50% off boots and shoes for him and for her. Sweaters for him and her, just $24.99. And 60% off holiday decor, hosting essentials, and so much more. Plus, download the free app for more Black Friday deals at Macy's. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.